0: Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the President of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice, in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Well, Bill, welcome back.
1: Good to be Another back week. as always. You know, as always, the, yeah. The regular occurrences these days. Yes. Good.
0: And of course, it's going to be a regular topic, COVID. It hasn't gone away. And in fact, now we're seeing surges in various parts of the country, Florida, for example, some spots in the upper Midwest, Wisconsin. So what are your thoughts on all of this? And Maybe you could tell everyone what's going on.
1: Yeah, well, we're not done yet with the bottom line. And There's Mm -hmm. a lot uh, in the U.S. news around COVID, and there's also a lot going on globally. You look at the Olympics and Japan and what's going on. I think ultimately what we're seeing in the U.S. and around the world are, are, as you said, some spikes in cases again. Also now, I think as people are vaccinated, we need to really look at hospitalizations because in the early days, there was a, before there was vaccines, there was a pretty good correlation between the number of people who are positive and then hospitalizations. Of course, now, I'm really paying attention to hospitalizations because hopefully many people who are vaccinated will be protected from severe illness. But what we're seeing, unfortunately, in the U.S. are areas in the country where there's an increase in cases and an increase in hospitalization. And so that's one of the things for sure that we have to grapple with, and we're even seeing parts of the country that are starting to, to reinstitute some protective measures as a result.
0: Yeah, and some of the hospitals where they're seeing a surge of cases have gone back to some of their uh, earlier COVID measures, such as testing patients, testing before surgeries, testing in inpatients. We're seeing people yeah. going back to indoor masking requirements, yeah. even in out, outside of a healthcare setting.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of what does it mean for me, there's a couple of things. Number one, it means that we will see things like in California, they've reinstituted indoor masking. I think mm-hmm. the concern is around the, particularly the Delta variant that's now become, I think, the most predominant variant in the U.S. already. It's ability to spread more quickly. A couple of reasons for that. And then also what's it doing to healthcare? So we're seeing in Northeast Florida, including Mayo Clinic, Florida, having to, again, dial back on some elective procedures because, and some, so it's going to start impacting people's access to care because they're actually trying to keep, again, capacity open to manage COVID. So I think we're seeing those things. I think from a laboratory perspective, we're going to see probably an increased demand for testing again. we hit seeing testing go down. We'll probably see it start to go back up. And the other thing is that we'll see more and more demand, I think, around sequencing. I, I know that a lot of the state health authorities and state health labs are asking for any breakthrough infection, meaning someone who's been, who's been vaccinated and has a symptomatic infection particularly if they're hospitalized, that they get that virus sequenced. Sometimes it takes a long time, you know, weeks to get those answers back. And what do we need to do about that? So from a lab side, an increase in testing, increased demand for sequencing to know the strain from us, societal perspective, probably some areas of the country rolling back to preventative measures. And then from a hospital perspective, some areas that are going back to having to make changes to how they're treating patients.
0: Yeah, I guess the good news is that a lot of places have been working on SARS-CoV-2 sequencing and building up that capacity. And here at Mayo Clinic Rochester, we have capacity for clinical testing in a CLIA lab So that's good news if we need to use it. And thankfully, we can return a result relatively rapidly within a day or two. We also have high throughput platforms for more research-based and epidemiologic testing. And I think that there are more places around the country, although like you said, it's not always a rapid result when you get it. But important for public health this point, you know, like you said, it's the Delta variant at this point. But as long as we continue to have a lot of unvaccinated people, not just in the U.S., but, but throughout the world, it's possible that this is just one variant and then a new variant might be right around the corner.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that's true. I, I think a lot now using for these hospitals to really understand what they're dealing with, if they're dealing with a Delta variant. I saw a paper that was published that indicated that the Delta variant gets to very high, much higher levels. You, the viral load's a lot higher, and that's a big part of why it's more transmissible earlier, too. So uh, it appears that people that have this strain might actually be just really spreading a lot of virus when they're sick or before they're sick even. I think that will continue. Luckily, we're in good shape there. I think we're in good shape overall. It will be interesting to see, what as you say, what happens globally. Because of the Delta variant and how it spread, it was first identified in India and presumably started there. Look how it spread across the globe. Even now, when, when international travel is not nearly what it was pre-pandemic, it just shows that this really is a global issue. It was tragic what was happening in India. We're trying to help, not thinking that, gosh, in, in six weeks later, we're going to be dealing with the, with some of the sequelae, the after-fast shocks will be in the U.S. So it's a global problem. And I think it's going to cause a lot of debate around vaccination because We're seeing an increased push to some people get a third dose, for instance, for the RNA vaccines here, or if they've had a Johnson and Johnson, should they get an RNA based vaccine as a, for instance, versus other areas in the WHO saying, wait a minute, there's areas of the, of the, of the globe that are still below 10% of just vaccination in their countries. And so understanding this and what's happening is going to really something we need to work on as a medical community, because it's just getting more confusing for people. And there's more and more kind of misinformation out there or partial information, which we just have to really get out in front of.
0: Yeah. Well, you and I will keep talking about this and trying to get reliable, accurate information out for everyone. But I agree. We're fighting a lot of misinformation, but it's so important to get vaccinated. And we're just seeing that now some of the countries that are really getting hit hard have such low vaccination rates. I've heard some people say that they think it's amazing for the countries that do have access to vaccines that they're not jumping at the chance to get vaccinated but you know of course there's concerns about that we do continue to see in general that the vaccines are safe and they are protective and even though we're seeing some breakthrough infections in general those individuals are not getting very ill and we need to protect against infections, but we also need to protect against all the bad effects that can happen with infection, hospitalization and mortality.
1: Yep, I think the one thing that I've kind of personally taken away from this is if you look at the breakthrough infections, there's some work out of Israel, who are, who's getting sick. Unfortunately, it's really those who are at risk of severe COVID to begin with. So it's patients that are immunocompromised or have a lot of risk factors in terms of comorbidities, that seem to be potentially be getting sick even after vaccination. And so I think if you have people like that in your life, just to really be continue to be mindful because we're all have this massive COVID fatigue. We all want to just sort of let our guard down completely. And I think that we just had to be with the Delta variant around and with other things. I think we have to just continue to be careful here and recognize that we're still not through this and just keeping those things in mind, just continuing to be thoughtful. I think mm-hmm. is going to be really important here in the next coming weeks.
0: Well, you mentioned, Bill, people are wondering, how does this impact me? What should I be doing? And I could say that I carry my mask with me and I keep it in my pocket. And even when I'm walking, well, of course, when I'm indoors in a healthcare setting, I have my mask on. If I'm in my office by myself, I don't. If I'm outside walking, I don't have it on. But if I go through a crowd of people, we have a gathering here called Thursdays on First, which I think is now called uh, Downtown. There's a lot of people around. I'll put my mask back on because I realize that the virus is circulating again, and it's not that much of a hardship to put my mask on.
1: Yeah, it's same, I do keep it with me. I do put it on if I'm in a crowded setting. For example, I'm gonna take my first air trip here. I'm in my first air travel since the pandemic, and I'll just be really careful when I'm in the airport, and Mm -hmm. I have to wear it on the plane. But you know, we hear more and more of this too. I think they're they're like on air travel, there, there's been more incidents where there's disruptive passengers because of masking. I've said a million times, I get it. It's not really fun. But it, the flip side is we're really not through this. And the last thing that we want is for people to suffer unnecessarily, essentially, right? And Absolutely. So, um, and, and I think you're right. To continue to understand if you have access to the vaccine and you're comfortable with getting it, you really should. Get good information out there. Find out from people because it's really it's the best tool we have right now to help kind of put it, put, dampen this out.
0: I agree. Well, that's some good points. We'll keep working on this together. And and you and I will keep meeting every week to try to get that good information out to everyone.
1: Yes, we'll do our part. And I'm sure everyone listening will as well. So we're going to get through this together. It's not going to be easy. And that's all there is to it. So that's more important than ever for us to stick together and really keep in mind our needs, the needs of our patients, the needs of our society, and the needs of our world in terms of trying to help people through this.
0: We're all in this together globally. Yep. Great talking with you always, Isabel. I will look yeah, forward
1: to you having too. you next week. That's. Uh, I'll look forward to it as always.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.